How many of you notice the theme of Christmas season? It's for God so loved the world. And where does that come from? I love it. John 3.16. You guys have been to football games. No. (laughs) You know, um, I love the Christmas season. It's a time that we give. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Man, the, the, the greatest giver in the world is God. And, and he loves us. He loves you. He loves all of mankind. And that's why he gives. And so this Christmas season, we're going to be talking about the things that God gave. And that is he gave, that, that God spoke. He gave communication to us. That's today. Um, God gave spiritual light in Jesus. He gave grace and truth. And he gave his son, Jesus. And so those are, those are the things, actually all those things, God gave us in Christ. And so uh, Christmas, the reason we give everybody gifts on Christmas is because we're so excited. We're so overjoyed. We just want to give people things. And um, the greatest gift that we've been given, of course, is Jesus. Now, um, Jeff and I have something in common. We actually have several things in common. We do have the same haircut. But there's another thing that Jeff and I have in common, and that is that we love to get things. We love gifts. Gifts are our favorite. So if you're sitting around and you're so overjoyed, you're thinking, I want to give somebody something. Give it to Jeff. He is a man. He loves gifts. And, um, but, you know, the thing about that is as much as we love getting gifts, the, the thing that this season is about, it's about giving. And uh, the most valuable things, the most valuable gifts that we give are not material. They're spiritual and they are relational. And that starts with spiritual, but then it's also relational. Okay, so spiritual. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, that's th- those two things, actually, I wanted to show you where those came from in the Old Testament. You know, Jesus was just quoting the Old Testament when he said that. You all knew that. Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The the most important thing we have in life is our relationship with God. And we know from God's word that God loved us first. And we love him because he loved us. But when we love God, we love him with everything that we are. And the second thing, the second most important gift is our relational gifts, our connection, the love that we have for the people that God has put in our life. And that's Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. And then this is the part Jesus quoted. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I mean, that is God's command is that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, One of the things that I want to encourage us with this, this season is that we not miss the opportunities that God gives us. God loves us, but that we don't miss the opportunities that God has given us to love each other. And um, so I want you to just think about your family. Think about your friends. Invite your friends to church. Think about your family. Teach your your family and give your family the most important gifts. Challenge them in their walk with God. Challenge them um, to love people. Love your family. Enjoy them. When you're at church, look for visitors in this season. This is a time that people come to church more, uh, more than usual. And so let's look for people. Let's show up early. Let's greet people. Let's care about people. Wander around. Look for people that need to be encouraged. I was driving through the Antelope Valley this week, Thanksgiving. We kind of went home. 
and I was driving down the street, and I just had this thought in my mind. I thought, I never want to come back here. And it was, and I just remembered, I used to always drive down that street with my dad, and my dad passed away. And so we were out there, and my dad has passed away, and I just kind of thought about that. And even though my heart was really kind of sad, um, I'm still, I'm not devastated, I'm not crushed, but during the Christmas seasons, during the holiday seasons, there are challenges, there are, there are difficulties that people face. Sometimes they're not relationally connected. And so um, sometimes the holiday seasons are hard. And so I just want to encourage you, look for people. Remember there are things going on in people's lives that we have no idea. And I think about these passages. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down but a good word makes him glad. Be that person that gives a good word. Um, Galatians 6.10, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. I saw a story in the news this week. Did you guys see it? There was this waitress that was walking to work seven miles each way. So she spent like five hours a day walking to and from work. She's like, I need to work. So she just walked and she was trying to save money for a car. And she, she, she waited on a couple who found out that she was walking five hours a day to and from work. And they actually drove to a car dealership, bought her a car and brought it back to the restaurant and gave, her to, gave it to her. How many of you guys saw that story this week? Um, yeah, I mean, just we need to end this season be looking for opportunities to do good. And uh, I just think about uh, this morning if you have your Bibles, open them up to Hebrews chapter 1. But God sent Jesus into the world because he loves us. And that's the, way, the reason we love other people is because God loves us. And um, one of the things that God did to demonstrate his love for us is that he spoke. That he spoke to us. He spoke in Christ himself. So let's read this. It's um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Long ago, when you think about how valuable communication is, how important it is to talk and to communicate and to think that God started at the very beginning. You want to know who the first prophet in the Bible listed is? You're, you're probably not going to get this. Did you know it was Abel? Did you know that Jesus calls Abel, Adam's son, Abel, a prophet? God started speaking in the very beginning at many times and in many ways. Um, Jesus didn't leave us here to wonder what we, what we should do. God didn't just leave us to wander aimlessly. He communicated. He spoke. Have you ever thought about this? It's like if people are lost, if they're aimless, if they're wandering, if they don't know God, if they don't know what to do, if they're missing wisdom in their life, have you ever seen people who they just make choices that show that they don't have wisdom in their life? Anybody who's missing God's wisdom, it's not because God's not speaking. It's because they're not listening. If you and I don't know things that we need to know, it's because we're not listening. I love Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. This is in the Old Testament, but God's talking to the nation of Israel. And he says to them, I haven't put my word way up in heaven where you can't get to it. It's not far off. 
that you can't obey it, that you can't know what God says. It's not way out there. He says, but the word is near you. This is verse 14 of Deuteronomy 30. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. God has been communicating and speaking. Um, Proverbs chapter 1 talks about God's wisdom. It says, wisdom cries aloud in the streets. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out at the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Now, it's not that there aren't all kinds of voices speaking us to us in life. That's a, they're noisy streets. But wisdom is there. Wisdom is speaking. And if you're not hearing, it's because you're not listening. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. You thought about that? God's speaking in the world and many people listen to the wrong voices, but God's voice is there. It is the front of the streets. God is communicating. Um, you want to know what else God did? God doesn't just speak, but God laid a foundation for people to be able to hear. You know, I love this part about the things that the Bible tells me, but have you ever thought about Romans 1.19? Look at this. For what can be known about God is plain to them. So before God even speaks, he works in people's hearts. He lays a foundation so that they can know. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world and things that have been made so that they're without excuse. Two things that it says there is that God puts a knowledge of himself in every person. So you're in the street, you're hearing all of these voices, and God's done a miracle in everybody's heart. So as they hear 15 voices, there's this automatic thing in their heart that says, oh wait, that one's God's voice. God has put a knowledge of himself in every person. People see God in creation. Nobody needs to preach to them. They know who God is. They know what he's like because of how he shows himself in creation. Now we know that that's not enough to be saved. It's enough to be in trouble. It's enough to know that God is there. It's enough to know that you should seek God, but it takes God's special revelation to be saved. Um, how about this one, Romans 2.14? It says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they don't have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts are accuse or excuse them. You know, when you look across the world, people instinctively do the things that God has said people should do, even though they don't have the law. And they show that not only has God put a knowledge of himself, but he's written his own law on people's hearts. So God has been speaking from the very beginning. He's spoken through the prophets. He's spoken in many ways. And he speaks to people who, when they hear the truth, they know it's true. Now, you think about that over this Christmas season as you share the gospel with your family and friends, as you run into people who say, oh, no, I don't believe. 
And sometimes we're, we're lost. We think we have to convince people. We don't. God's already put it in their heart. We just have to speak it. And then I love verse 2 of Hebrews 1. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, have you ever thought about the value of communication, what it means? Like I think about in myself, I think about who knows my mind. And let me just ask you, who knows your mind? Who knows what you think? If somebody were to say, would this person like this or not like this? What does this person think of this? Who in your life could take a survey for you and get all the answers right? Who, who, who could do that? Well, I'll tell you who it is for me. It's Michelle. She knows everything I think. Um, she knows what I'm like. I share everything that I, everything I feel, everything I'm thinking. Michelle and I talk about everything because we love each other. We're committed to each other. So there's nothing I don't tell her, nothing. Um, the other people that know everything in my life, you want to know who, who they are, who know what I think, who could probably take a survey for me and get all the answers right, my kids. See, I see people sometimes, and I'll, I'll notice things in their life, and I'll think, oh, man, they're missing this. And I pray for them. I don't necessarily tell them. Um, but you want to know who I tell everything to? My kids. I tell them how I think. I tell them how I feel. I tell them what I'm struggling with. If there's something they need to know. In fact, this week I had a conversation with one of my kids. They're kind of struggling with a certain situation in their life. And I just looked at it. I probably wouldn't have this conversation with you if you came up to me and said, I'm really having a hard time this week. I probably wouldn't unload on you. But one of my kids came to me and said, I'm really struggling with this situation. And I said, yeah, you know what? You know why you're having a hard time with that? Because your heart's not right. Um, this, these circumstances are not what they should be, but this is a gift. God is creating a situation that's not right so that your motives will come to the surface. And the fact that this bothers you only bothers you because your motives aren't right. And so this is a great opportunity for you to thank God for that, to embrace the things that he says. We talked about some scripture. And I don't hold anything back from my kids because I love them. And then I have good friends who know some of what I think, but when you communicate fully with somebody, it's because you love them, it's because you're close. And so when we think about that, that's the value that God has for us. Look, what, look how Jesus describes that. John chapter 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. God communicates with us because we're his kids, because he loves us. The other important thing is not just communication, the value of communication, but have you ever thought about the value of the messenger? The person communicating, do they know what they're talking about? Do they have authority to speak about things? And that's Jesus. Man, he, is, he, he knows everything. He has the authority to speak. Now, let's talk about what Hebrews says about who Jesus is. So look back to your, to your Bibles, and let's look in verse 2, the second half of it. But it talks about who Jesus is. Jesus is the heir of all things, whom he appointed as the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus owns everything. He is going to inherit. 
care at everything because he made everything. Verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is God himself. Uh, look, at, look at the second half of verse 3. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. The only reason things stay in existence is because Jesus is keeping them. He is sustaining them. Now look at verse, uh, the, the next part of that verse. He has provided salvation after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is superior. He is God. He is God's very nature. And then in this next section of Hebrews, he talks about how Jesus is better than angels. Let's look at what he says about this. Verse 4, having become much superior to the angels, as the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he will be called to me a son. God created all of the angels at the same time. Jesus took on flesh. He was incarnated. He became the son of God in his incarnation. But Jesus is, is in a unique relationship with God. He is God, part of the Trinity. He is worshipped by angels. Look at verse 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all of God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and a minister of a flame of fire. Who worships God? Angels, right? They're God's angels. And they worship Jesus. That tells us who Jesus is. How about this? He is the ruler of in righteousness, verse 8. But the, of the Son, he says, your throne, O God. Jesus is referred to here as, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And whose hands created those? Jesus. Jesus is the creator. He is the ruler. He's eternal. Look at verse 11. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Verse 13. And to which of the angels has he ever said... Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus is amazing who he is that God has communicated to us through. Jesus is qualified to speak. He's authoritative. He is God's perfect representative because he's God. What an incredible privilege that Jesus would communicate to us. I mean, communication is so important, but who communicates? That is just unbelievable. Let's look at the second point this morning is this. Not only did God communicate to us in Jesus, but he communicated things to us that are indispensable, that we cannot live without, 
And there's two things I really want to focus on. Jesus communicated to us the way of salvation, and he also, part of all of that, is wisdom for how we live. Those are the two things that God has communicated to us, salvation and how to live with wisdom. Look what it says here in verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And then look at this. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Jesus accomplished salvation. He made purification for sins, and he came to explain all that to us. So Jesus came to give the words of salvation. You want to know what those words of salvation are? This is important over this season for us to think about. What is it that Jesus communicated? And here's the first thing you know this, but it's this, that men are sinners. You and I are in trouble. We are sinners. We are separated from God. Look at this verse. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. If you don't have God, you have no hope. That's where we were. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. People are in trouble. They're separated from God. They have no hope. And because of Jesus, we've been brought near. How about Hebrews 10, 12? Jesus is the way. But when Jesus is offered for, for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus died one time in one sacrifice. That's why we don't sacrifice animals. That's why there are no ongoing sacrifices, because Jesus did it all. You and I are not trying to earn our salvation. We're not trying to maintain our salvation. We're not trying to be good enough for God to like us. Jesus solved that problem. And here's the third element of the gospel, is that it requires a personal response. Look at this. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. You know, Jesus is our savior, but will also be the judge. And it requires repentance, a personal response, turning to Jesus. And I love this. Uh, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus just says, I offer salvation to anybody. But if you want to come to me, I'm number one in your life. I call the shots in your life. I say what's right and wrong. You turn away from yourself as God. You turn to me as God. And if you won't do that, you can't be my disciple. 
See, Jesus has made a way of salvation for everyone, but there's only one way, and Jesus doesn't negotiate. Jesus isn't saying, hey, head your own way, do your own thing, and if you want, I'll come along with you as you drive the, the car of your life. No, Jesus says, I sit in the seat, I am in charge. And, and if you put me in your throne, I'll forgive you and I'll save you. And that's for anybody. But coming to Christ is a personal decision to say, God, you are God. You are creator. And that's what Jesus has communicated. He came so that we would know that. And I'll just tell you, when a person realizes that, when they trust Christ, when they say, Jesus, it doesn't matter what I want. I get up every day and all that matters is what you want. That is transforms life and we are willing to sacrifice anything but what I think is amazing is when I was living my life my own way making my own decisions what a disaster that was when I finally said okay I don't care what I want to do from now on I do whatever you tell me to do you know all the messes all the problems all the difficulties in my life that I brought upon myself all the brokenness all the way that I harmed myself all the way that I harmed other people all of that changed the moment I said God it's no longer me deciding what I'm gonna do it's now me just trying to figure out what do you want what do you want me to do and as I was willing to sacrifice my happiness, all right, if I'm going to be miserable, whatever. Whatever God tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. The moment I was willing to do that, everything in my life changed. And um, I'm not more miserable now than I was. Um, it's the best way to live life. And I think sometimes we forget that. God has communicated how to, to us how to live with wisdom and it starts with spiritual values, but it has an impact on the daily decisions that we make. Think about this verse, 1 Timothy 4, 8. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. For it holds promise for that present life and also for the life to come. I used to think that coming to Christ meant I had to be miserable today so that I could have heaven later. And I just realized that's so opposite. It's so backwards. Godliness is profitable for this life and also for the life to come. This next verse, it says, 1 Timothy 6, 19, this is a message to rich people. And it's just saying, um, don't just store up treasures for yourselves um, as a good the storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Investing in eternal things, that's real life. That's real living. And that is what Jesus came to communicate to us. It's incredible that God has communicated. We need to love him. We need to appreciate him. And we need to remember the purpose of our life over this Christmas season we need to be sensitive to people. I want to encourage you, be praying for yourself and for your family. Pray on Sunday mornings. Pray as you see people. Pray for people in the grocery stores. This is an important season, and we need to make sure that we are taking advantage of that, that we're getting all that God wants us to get out of that.